Please listen carefully. Hi, Diho, you boys and girls out there in podcast land. Making a movie costs time and money, lots of it. And we indie filmmakers usually have little of either. So you have to be smart about how you use it. And to be honest, a lot of the times we make poor decisions with regards to the money part of that equation. Am I right or am I right? Well, Lens Pro to Go makes it easy for you to find the filmmaking and photography equipment you need for any project without breaking the bank by buying the latest and greatest whoozy what's it or thingamajiggy as soon as it makes its premiere at some trade show. And here's the best part. The people who work there are themselves working filmmakers and photographers. So they can answer any questions you have about gear as well as give you tips and suggestions. It's grade A customer service. And their prices include two-day shipping for all their items. So there's no shipping surprise cost when you get to the checkout page. Everything is shipped to you in Pelican cases with return address labels already printed and ready to go. So all you have to do is put the gear back in the original box, tape it up, slap on the label, then take it to your nearest UPS store or schedule a pickup. Sorry for your international folks, they're only available here in the U.S. Just head on over to LensProToGo.com and use the offer code RADIO to save yourself 10%. We thank LensProToGo for their support. Also, I'm excited to announce that last week we officially launched the Kickstarter for our documentary, Invisible Illness. Links are in the sidebar for every Making a Documentary miniseries episode, as well as in the show notes. A lot of work went into this, and you can be sure we're going to be sharing everything we learned on the podcast in the future. But in the meantime, go check it out and let me know what you think. All right, without further ado, on with the show. We communicate who we are through clothing. It is fundamentally a part of what we wish to communicate about ourselves. We used to have a system, a fashion system. That has absolutely nothing to do with the fashion industry today. It has been reinvented. It's based on materialism. The problem is that comes at a really high price. Garment factory collapsed, killing more than 1,000. That's a scene from the trailer for True Cost, a 2014 feature documentary about the terrible and life-threatening working conditions under which much of the clothing we wear are made. It's a powerful film that will convict you and give you pause next time you walk down the aisle of some department store. Garment workers in Bangladesh are paying the price for cheap clothing. As you know, my wife and I are hip deep into the production of our very first feature documentary, Invisible Illness. It's a film about the stories of people living with chronic and invisible illnesses. She's the director, and True Cost was one of the films that inspired her from both a storytelling and creative standpoint. The significance of that will become apparent in just a moment. Now, earlier this year, a fan of the podcast reached out to me after hearing our first Making a Documentary episode. He said he'd love to talk about our documentary and offer any help that he could. Now, 
We don't have a budget for a consultant, so I asked him what he wanted to talk about, and he said he just wanted to help. Of course, this was odd because we don't live in a world where people just want to help, right? I mean, surely he wanted something in return. My gut was telling me this guy was on the up and up, that he was just a fan of the show and truly wanted to lend a helping hand. And so I set up a phone call. Well, my gut to trust this guy really paid off. After I agreed to set up a time to talk to him, I started to do some due diligence. And guess what? It turns out he was one of the executive producers of the documentary I mentioned above, True Cost. How freaking cool is that? And on top of that, he has some roots and connections in Atlanta, where I lived for about five and a half years, and it turns out we had a couple of mutual friends in the film community. The whole connection felt very providential. Well, today on the show, we have that man, Vincent Vittorio, founder and CEO of Life Is My Movie, executive producer of True Cost, and producer in some form or another of about a dozen other featured documentaries. I got on a Skype call with him to hear what he had to say. And what he had to say was extremely helpful, and I think you'll find it enlightening as well. I'm Ron Dawson, and this is the Radio Film School miniseries, Making a Documentary. My call with Vincent was chock full of specific information that every doc filmmaker can benefit from. So much so that this discussion will actually be broken into two parts. Today we talk about the business and creativity of documentary filmmaking. In part two, we'll go into the specific feedback on our documentary. Now, be sure to stick around after the credits for a special bonus that I have just for you listeners. All right, here's part of my call with Vincent Vittorio, CEO and founder of lifeismymovie.com. My history goes back to I was really intrigued with like journalism, the idea of being able to report on something. And I got kind of turned off because I felt like a lot of it was um, less free form. And even though I went to school for journalism, I, I soon double majored going into the route of um, f- film, film and media studies at the University of Florida. And when I got done with things, I kind of went that route of the the independent filmmaker, did did a few narrative projects and, and realized that while I really do enjoy narrative storytelling, that the calling was was really in the documentary space. And uh, long story short, it kind of grew into something in 2011 that um, my partner and I uh, in, in Atlanta, Georgia at the time decided that this is an area that we can um, we can kind of live in and play in and, and, and do important things that, you know, will will have an impact on the world. And so that's where it started. And, you know, since then, we've been able to accomplish a lot with um, we've had around 13 films in our catalog. And we've had a real impact with films that stretch across from, you know, really big social topics all the way to, um, you know, environmental to history. I mean, just a lot of different topics. And I think that it's really just about telling good stories and trying not to um, lead someone to a particular conclusion of like, uh, you know, this is what it must be like propaganda, but leading them to ask questions and leading them to feel like, you know, this is a primer to um, a further deeper understanding that they can have with um, the topic that we could lead them to. And that to me is, 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 is really what, what drives us and it drives everyone that we work with. What was it about documentary filmmaking over narrative filmmaking where you felt like you could do that better? Because 
ostensibly you can make the argument you could tell important stories in a narrative format as well. What was it about the documentary format that made you think like this was the way to go for you? No, no, that that's a that's a great question. It, it it's hard because it's it's like there's so many things that are happening that um, you know, shape our lives um, from, you know, what's going on in the world to just uh, the way that something's presented to us. And I think that it was a combination of um, when 9-11 happened, I felt like journalism really took a weird shift. And at that same time, I was really getting into the independent film space. And uh, um, it was doing this weird transition from getting out of actually film and going to like this this digital technology where, you know, you had the purists that were all, no, this is not going to happen. And then, you know, uh, Kodak trying to kind of offer incentives to get filmmakers to still do that. And I, I think I just had this like realization that like I love narrative filmmaking, but it it's it sometimes is a, a lot more complicated to, um, to 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 do a great job of. And I mean, it was just a combination of things that really led me more to focus on documentaries because. I mean, even now that you say that, you make me think of a story. I was set to really focus on a uh, a huge narrative where I had some very big celebrities involved, huge money involved, and my producers at the time, uh, ironically enough, just pushed me um, to keep developing it, and we kept going back to the you know. Uh, rethink the narrative a little bit. Um, it was a great story and, you know, we had really good talent involved and they said, you know, why don't you focus on this documentary that you talked to us about? And so they funded that and, you know, things went wrong in that documentary. It never saw the light of day. It was a, you know, a, a year and a half, two year experience of uh, getting to do some amazing things, but for a film that never saw, um, you know, came out, and right after that, we really just kind of went in that space of, you know, documentary is something that um, nonfiction storytelling uh, is, is is a beautiful thing. So, yeah, you made the comment that uh, you wanted to tell stories that didn't necessarily lead people to a particular conclusion, but force them to ask questions. And, you know, you said, you know, you didn't want to create um, uh, like propaganda. And so when you think about the documentary space and how it is used in so many different ways, it can be used to, you know, it can be used as propaganda. It can be used to communicate a particular point of view. It can be used to be, you know, completely standoffish and open up a, open up a dialogue, open up a conversation. You know, you know, what, one thing that comes to mind is, um, uh, oh, The Act of Killing by Joshua Oppenheimer. Did you ever see that? Yes. Yes, I did. Yeah. Um, you know, so I, one of the things about that film is he doesn't, he doesn't, he, he created in such a way like where he doesn't lead you to any specific conclusion that his subject matter are evil people. Like you just see what they do what they say and you let that speak for them for its you let that it speaks for itself like what the subjects are doing in that film kind of speak for themselves as opposed to him using you know creative editing in order to paint a certain picture do you know what i mean no no completely yeah and and then you know versus you know someone like michael moore who absolutely uses 
you know, creative editing in order to get, you know, his his point across. And so talk to me and, and we've had on the show episodes where we've kind of talked about the power of media and how filmmakers can use juxtaposition of audio and sound and music in order to communicate something, even something that may be either misleading or whatnot. And, you know, today, you know, nowadays in the news, you know, fake news is sort of like a buzzword. And, and, you know, you can really apply that to filmmaking, particularly documentary filmmaking. I'd love to get your input on that, on, on using the format, in creative ways to express either truth or a particular point of view that may be correct, even if the specific ways you edit it present things in a misleading way. Does that make sense? No, no, it it, it does. I mean, I think it really goes back to, and it's hard because it's it's a case by case. You know, it depends on the topic you're tackling because there are some things that, you know, um, you have to be a good steward as a, as a documentary, uh, documentary filmmaker. I mean, you have to realize that unlike a narrative where, you know, you've got a script as your framework and your dialogue and, you know, you're working with a cinematographer and a plan and actors and all that, you're creating this narrative in a space that's moving. I always like to compare it to like surfing, you know, you go out there, you know what the waves are looking like, what the space is, but when you get up on that board or when you're committing to say you're going to do something, you have to adjust. And I think that that's kind of in, in one way, the beauty of documentary filmmaking is that you're on an adventure that's taking you in so many different you know directions. And if you can be open to that, um, it's something that, you know, will allow you to find that kind of inner truth to the topic. But as you kind of alluded to with these other examples, that's not always the case because there's different types of documentaries, right? I mean, if it's, um, you know, an observational thing in which, you know, it's, it's me following something where I'm going to, uh, you know, achieve something. I mean, like I like to take the supersize me example, right? I mean, Morgan Spurlock obviously knew what he was doing when he started that. It wasn't like he came in thinking, oh, I'm, I'm going to test this out and see where it takes me. I mean, I think the, the intentions were that he was going to very much, you know, participate in this thing that he's going to show us the the negative effects that you know eating mcdonald's will have on your body if you do it every day so um i mean i think it's 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 partly the type of documentary that you're putting together i mean you know you've got uh the poetic side of things too which you know sometimes people get a lot of critical um responses to being not telling them enough about it um and and i think that you know with the fake news comments and things that are coming up now it's really making your audience feel like they're a part of the conversation or the topic and you're challenging to ask questions within kind of their own um, perspective of things. I, I remember we had a film on a tax reform called An Inconvenient Tax um, and uh, we had a screening at the NYU Law School and I remember at the Q&A at the end, this guy stood up in the back and he goes, I hate Mike Huckabee. But you had me agreeing with him. How did you do that? And I said, well, I'm, I'm not a journalist. And, you know, you pause there and obviously things have happened since then. And we're, we're all making fun of that. But, but journalism sometimes has a way of, of, of sweetening things or perfecting them to, to like something you can digest in a little bite because they don't have the time 
to go deep into something like a documentarian does. You know, they don't have the time to to go into maybe um, not necessarily both perspectives, but let the person, you know, expand upon an idea. And that's what we were able to do in something like that. So when you look at like what Chomsky's saying, and it seems to, you know, coincide with what you're hearing from Mike Huckabee or, you know, Steve Forbes, it, that's 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 interesting. And that's what I love that we can do as storytellers to bring people to this place that they truly can, you know, have a have a, a greater understanding and, and begin to ask questions. Because the biggest critique we get, which, you know, in lots of films is that you didn't give me you didn't give me a solution mm. or you, you didn't. You didn't tell me the answer. And it's like, no, 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 no. That, that's the point. We're asking you. I mean, the true cost, I, we get emails all the time where people are like, you know, thank you so much for making this film because it's gotten me to ask questions I never thought I would ask before. And if, if we do that, that, that that's, that's the win. I love the fact that you brought up this journalism topic because this has really been a, an interest of mine as of late. And I was listening to this podcast i think it was a podcast on slate and they were talking about because there have been so many obviously you know earlier to fake news earlier and there's been a lot of talk in the news about media and the role of media and how media um you know represents you know politics and politicians and, and, and people in general and one of the questions that come up i think on this episode was what role or responsibility does a journalist have and being as impartial as possible. And so the conversation that they were having was, you know, is it right for, for instance, a journalist to attend uh, a protest march? Because if to participate as opposed to cover it, right? Because if you're participating as a journalist in a protest march, then that betrays a particular bias that a person who reads that particular um, newspaper or website could read as well. This, you know, all the people who write for that place are are liberal, or all the people who write for another place are are conservative. And so, as opposed to being able to maintain as a journalist your stance as a as a truly, you know, um, third party objective um, observationist and person who just presents, like you were saying, just kind of presents what's out there. And so my question to you is, you know, there is this fine line, I guess, and maybe it's not that fine, I don't know, between a journalist and a documentarian, whereas, like, I kind of feel like a journalist has, like, this greater obligation, if you will, to maintain a certain level of objectivity, whereas a documentarian as a filmmaker is one is one part journalist, but is another part storyteller and filmmaker and absolutely has a voice that they want to come through. And so where do you stand on that in terms of being a documentary filmmaker and and and, and maintaining that balance between you know your journalism hat and your filmmaker storyteller have a point of view hat? No, no, that that's a great question. I mean, it's it's a it's a tricky one because there is a, an interesting bleed over, and I think that I, I I was at Sundance and I remember I was talking to someone at CNN about this because, um, you know, you find that some of these news organizations are obviously trying to give people content that they're going to, um, uh, you know, want to see more of, and so they're they're doing a lot more in documentaries as some other groups are where you think like five years ago and you know, none of these people were players in it. I mean, the, they were still the redheaded stepchild of the film industry. They weren't really respected. So 
I I think that it's it's become more respected as a a genre, and I think that um, you know, with that being said, to to the point of what is that guide that you use um, to to as a journalist to be able to be truthful with things? I mean, they used to when I was in school. I mean, this was like our our Bible of um, you know reporting or doing anything. It was a you know the AP handbook, this little orange book that. You know, it told you how to do everything, and it was the source you went to for everything. And I, I'd like to say that that obviously has changed a lot since then, where people have a lot of um, pressures with, um, you know, their organizations to do particular things. Um, but it's also about how the journalist puts himself in the story, because there's so many different types of, of reporting or covering something. Like to your example of jumping into the story when the, you know, the person goes to a um, Let's let's take the example of a um, a protest, right? Like right. if they put themselves in the protest, like they go there, there's a there's a totally different relationship to things than reporting on it from the outside. And even just the fact that they chose to go there is immediately as 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 a viewer putting me in a perspective where how are they reporting this? I mean, so it's I mean, it is a it's it, it's a very like you know like fifty page <laughs> uh, discussion because it's 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 a difficult thing to know what the the proper way to do things are. I mean, even let's take NPR this morning. I mean, mm-hmm. I, I love NPR. You know, I consider myself maybe more that side, but they had uh, an ethics uh, guy on, and they were drilling him, and it got to the point where even if I agree with what they're saying. They're kind of like being like on the other side of the conservative, like a Bill O'Reilly guy, where it's like you're not letting them talk. Hmm. So it goes to back to the example. At what point are you asking questions to get the information from the subject or you're putting yourself um, similar ish to the Michael Moore thing, putting yourself in there, injecting your ideas or putting pressure, you know, and that's that's a weird balance because you can't just ask questions and hope they're going to do it. I mean, you have to have that. Uh, Barbara Walters approach where, you know, you're going to, you're going to take the question and articulate, you know, get articulate to be able to build it into what you want from the, you know, the subject. But it's when you're trying to push them in an area where they're either vulnerable or you're covering a topic that's making it so the audience is going to feel a particular way with stuff like that. I mean, it's, it's a, it's a, it's a really, really tricky thing. So to the example of, you know, what, what documentary filmmaker that, you know, the blurring line between that, I always like to think back to, are you familiar with Dogma 95? No, I'm not. I'm so familiar with the, the uh, uh, Kevin Smith movie Dogma, but what's Dogma 95? <laughs> so way back in the day, I think it was like nine, maybe the early 90s, um, there was these uh, Danish directors, uh, Lars von Trier and um, Victor uh, um, Vernberg mm-hmm. and some others, and, and they created these rules of filmmaking that they thought were the traditional, you know, points that had to be hit. And it was like this weird collection of rules that they said, if you do all these things, your film will be stamped with this dogma 95 thing. Right. <laughs> and and with that being said, it was kind of like the, the filmmakers. Now, again, this is a very niche, small group. I mean, this isn't like, you know, that, you know, not everyone can do this and all that, but, but it showed, the people within a particular community making a particular style and group of films to kind of say, this is what we're going to decide is kind of our constitution, our, 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 our vows of this is what it must be, you know? And I think that that 
is uh, a much different example from what we're dealing with with documentary and journalism. But I feel like some of that is going to come about now that journalism is being questioned, where there's going to be a little bit more understanding like what uh, the ethics are of asking the right questions and what way you handle it. And I, I think in the, you know, the light of all the negative stuff that you're hearing, it, it's, it's also a positive to me because it's going to make it so that we have better, um, you know, better journalism and, and better documentary filmmaking at the same time. I mean, I can't tell you how many films I get sometimes that I, I, you know, like people that need advice and all that. And I, I probably have this you know, negative thing that I'm very honest and people sometimes don't like to hear truth. All right. It's like, this is not a documentary, you know what I mean? Like, or you're, you're essentially doing a voiceover and then cutting these clips that are like, you know, proving your point. It's, it's, it's like a, you know, three act structure. It's, it's, it, it doesn't, it doesn't work that way. Like, you know, you're, you're, you've got, you know, you've got to allow for the people that you're, you know, being a part of this to have a voice within it, um, and not just be your B roll to cover things up. So, um, I think there's, you know, there's definitely a, a importance to knowing what that line is between the two and really seeing that, you know, it's an obligation to whoever the creator is. If it's a documentarian, it's a journalist to understand that you're doing something that's not just for you. You are putting something together to bring someone else to this space. So if you can challenge, you know, yourself when you ask these questions, if you can think about how people that maybe don't have the same views that you do uh, politically, culturally, whatever, and, 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 and make sure to make that a part of things, then I think you're going to be in a good spot. And I think that to me is where both journalists and documentarians have to kind of feel like there's, you know, there's, there's something that, you know, it, 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 it brings them to both have that obligation mm-hmm. as um, people that are reporting, people that are telling stories to find the truth. Now you look at a lot of documentary films and you work with documentary filmmakers at, you know, all different uh, stages of a production. Um, you know, what kind of advice would you give to say first time documentary filmmakers, either people working on shorts or features, you know, let's say feature, you know, first time documentary filmmakers. Cause actually my wife and I are, are first time feature documentary filmmakers. I've made a bunch of documentary shorts, but We've, you know, recently started our own feature, which is the whole purpose of this mini series we're doing in the podcast. So, like, what have you seen that would be great for first timers to kind of think about as they go into the process of, um, you know, creating a documentary? Well, I, I always like to, you know, I get excited about where we are right now. It's like you look at, you know, 20, 30 years ago, and it wasn't possible for people to have you know, um, the ability to, to tell stories. And now it's, we're holding a, a cell phone in our hand that everyone has that gives them the ability to do this. We don't have to rely on, you know, paying for film stock and, you know, editing the information to learn. It's all available. It's free. I mean, so it's, it's an exciting time that anybody can, you know, do this, which also brings the flip side of that where it means that anybody can do this. <laughs> and, right, and, and right. so, you know, with that being said, um, I, I always like to tell first time documentary filmmakers that the, the best advice is to watch, um, you know, documentaries that, you know, take on topics that maybe 
aren't similar to yours, but in the style that you want to do them. Like if you want to make a film where you're like Michael Moore and you're taking, you're challenging someone or taking them into a, a, an area that you want to show them something, watch, watch films similar to that and, and try to kind of look at them from a, a structural um, side. Like how are they broken up? I always love for very macro topics looking at Food Inc. I think they did a wonderful job of really cutting things up into areas where I can kind of jump into many different spaces, but also have a very strong narrative device that allows me to keep coming back to. So um, I think that's that, that's rule number one. Um, and then rule number two is is making sure that you research your, your topic as much as you can. Um, I, I think that like pre-interviews and like, you know, like talking to people that are a part of the, the, the subject or topic and getting their, their perspective before you shoot anything, look at everything else that's out there. I mean, you know, like really get to be prepared to tell the story. And, 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 and then the third part is just, just shoot, 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 shoot. I mean, you have the ability right now to do so much and, you know, just go out there and start challenging yourself within this topic to be able to to bring something something to life and i think that's to me is um you know the big advice i always give first time filmmakers to just you know take take a chance take a risk i mean go out there put it together you can look at it and then you know digest it and you know outside of costing you a lot of time and and effort to do this it's uh you know it's 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 something that we can all put together do you uh, would you advise doc filmmakers to go into a project being completely because you what made me think about this question I'm about to ask was your your topic about the research and I know one of the things that often happens when you're creating a documentary is information that you you go in planning to tell one story and then things come up and you end up telling a different story um the recent documentary about uh, lance armstrong is one that comes to mind um where they went you know they went in to tell the story of lance and in the process of making it you know the whole um steroid scandal went down and you know he was stripped of you know his tour de france awards and everything and he was you know basically shamed and um the documentary turned into something completely different uh, to what extent as a documentary filmmaker, do you allow for those surprises to happen or do you are allowing for, uh, you know, information to come up and kind of tell the story versus going in with a very specific thing in mind? Um, do, do you have an input on that one way or the other, or is it? Is it again? It's one of those case by case things where it kind of really depends on the story you want to tell. I mean, it, it it's partly a case by case because you know you're uncovering things. I mean, you're pulling back a veil. So like when you have like an observational or you know a reflexive doc, you know you're you're at that point where you're you're trying to see where things are going to take you. Um, you know, I have an example of that where we had one that just came out at the end of last year on on prison reform, and when you first talked to me about this is a project I want to make, it was about the privatization of prisons. And that was what the film was. Mm -hmm. But then as we kind of got into it, we realized, well, that's a very important aspect. It's not as big as some of the other things we uncovered. And it became a much different film, which is which is what that wave is. It's riding it and knowing how to adjust and being a good steward to know when to, to cover something or go deeper. 
as well as not not say, you know, when when the film's done. I mean, that sometimes is the hard thing about it that, you know, only people making films really truly understand. There's so much time and work that goes into this. And uh, especially on a documentary film, because it's not like, oh, I shot my hundred pages. We'll have a couple reshoots. It's like you've got to got to rethink it. You know, sometimes some of the stuff that lands on the cutting room floor and you're like, oh, gosh, like what? You know, I, I wasn't prepared for, you know, asking the right questions to this person or, or, you know, documenting this part of the story because I didn't know what this film would turn into. So I think, you know, it's it's back to a case by case. You have to look at the film um, depending on the type of film you're you're trying to make. But you should be um, aware of that and, and be able to try to adjust. I mean, with, you know, uh, with, with, with the example of, of, of the film you're working on, I think that. Um, you obviously are starting with a, a very good, um, personal, um, thing that you, you can't really shape too much to how you tell the story. Cause it's, it's something that's occurred and, you know, is, is active, but at the same time, some of those other stories or some other stories you might encounter that can help to, um, show it from a, a different perspective might be something that is worth, um, exploring. So I think that, um, you know, that's an example where, well, you have a, a game plan and you know what you're going to try to do with this. There are some areas where you might try to explore things um, during the process itself. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's a good segue, I think, into, you know, another thing I want to talk to you about is is the film that we're, we're working on. That ends part one of my discussion with Vincent. Tune in next time when we hear Vincent say, It feels good to hand it off to someone and say, Oh, tell me all the things you need to tell because you went to school for it. Right. You have all this classification. But I mean, as much as you want that, you, you gotta you gotta be aware of what's going on from medical procedures to like the way that you're living your life to your children's, you know, schooling. Like you you have to be a part of everything in order to truly um, you know, find that kind of middle ground. When I get into my discussion with our film in particular, Vincent proposes an idea that could possibly take our film into a whole new stratosphere of possibility on the next Making a Documentary. Remember, stay tuned after the credits for a special offer for all of you doc filmmakers out there and podcast listeners. Radio Film School is a production of Dear Dreamer Media and is a proud member of the Podcastica Network, a small collection of pop culture podcasts that cover topics from your favorite television shows to meditation and health to podcast production. This and other great shows can be found at podcastica.com. Music for this episode was curated from freemusicarchive.org. Links to tracks are in the show notes. Guys, I would really love it if you could hop on over to iTunes and subscribe to the show. Now, it's a very little known fact that it's actually subscribing in iTunes that helps you raise your rankings. So it helps us tremendously when you do that. But when you leave a comment, it also gives credibility to the show, which helps other people subscribe. So while you're there, leave us a rating and review. If for whatever reason you're not a fan of the whole iTunes thing, no problemo. You can also find the show on Stitcher, iHeartRadio, Spotify, YouTube, and our RSS feed is on every blog post for each episode. Another great way you can support the show is by becoming a Dare Dreamer FM Premium member. 
premium membership helps keep the show going and putting out great weekly content. For just about a few bucks a month, you not only support the show, but you get access to ebooks, templates, bonus episodes, discounts, and other products and services, and other resources to help you grow in your craft and your career. Just go to daredreamer.fm slash join to learn more. But let's say you're not ready to become a member just yet, but you're thinking to yourself, man, I love this podcast. Is there another way I can help support it? Well, I'm glad you asked that question. Let's say you live here in the United States, you're about to go on a shoot, and you need equipment. Now, please consider our friends over at LensProToGo.com. If you want top-notch customer service from working filmmakers and photographers, look no further than LensProToGo. Everything is shipped to you in Pelican cases, two-day shipping is included in all the costs and their rates, and if you use the offer code RADIO, you'll save yourself 10%. So you're not only helping the show, but you're getting a deal. It's a win-win. That's lensprotogo.com. Giving them your business is a wonderful way to support Radio Film School. You can follow me on Twitter at DareJimMoran, where I curate links and stories about filmmaking, photography, social media, marketing, and branding. I also love to get into debates and discussions about filmmaking and the arts, 140 characters at a time. So feel free to engage. The latest topic I was discussing with a follower was whether or not the imminent demise of the National Endowment of the Arts is really as bad as people think it might be. Chime in and let me know what you think. If you just want to stay notified with what's up on the show, you can follow the show at Radio Film School. If you like this episode, share it on Twitter or email it to a friend you know needs to hear what we're talking about. That's it for this week, folks. Remember, if the story sucks, I don't care what you shot it with or cut it on. Hey, folks, as promised, I have something special for you. A couple of things, actually. First, I want to give you a copy of the documentary overview proposal that I put together for Vincent to look at. It'll be a great template for those of you out there working on your own documentary. I also want to give you a special discount on our Docs That Rock Crossing the 180 documentary episode pack. Crossing the 180 was my first filmmaking podcast I started way back in 2010. All the episodes are archived, but I've taken many of them out of the proverbial mothballs and made them available to Daredreamer FM premium members for free. But you can also buy them individually if you're not a premium member. The documentary pack includes about hour-long, in-depth episodes with a bunch of amazing documentary filmmakers like Kirby Ferguson of Everything is a Remix, James Wersky and Lizanne Pajot, the makers of the award-winning doc Indie Game the Movie, Brian Storm of Media Storm fame, and the one and only Elliot Rausch. All in all, there are over a dozen filmmakers that are interviewed. Now, these set of interviews is normally $19.95 for non-members, but podcast listeners can get it for just half that, $9.95. Go to daredreamer.fm slash docsthatrock, all one word. There you'll find a link to download the documentary overview template I mentioned above, as well as get the Crossing 180 archive set of documentary interviews for only $9.95. Just my way of saying thank you for being a listener. You're listening to Daredreamer FM, the sound of creative expression. Hmm? Ah! Oh.